Welcome to the B-Ball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about the Lakers and the perils of going all-in. So the Lakers went all-in trading for Russ this offseason, traded away, I don't know, a third of their team for him. Uh, a few years ago, they traded for Anthony Davis, gave up uh, a good chunk of players then, most of their picks. So the Lakers are exhausted of pretty much all of their resources. Most of their picks in the next few years are traded away. Um, their entire salary cap is wrapped up in AD, LeBron, and Russ. And now they have to try to piece together the rest of the roster. Uh, they had to do that this year, and they have to do it again next year. And we can learn some lessons from the old LeBron Heat teams about how that can be really, really difficult. So when you have your team basically built on three players, you need those players to play extremely well almost all of the time. And LeBron is still a really good player. He's been trending down a little bit the last few years, but still a top 10 player. I mean, he's still almost leading the league in scoring. He has been excellent. Anthony Davis has not been the same player since the championship. He has been good, but he hasn't been great. He hasn't been, you know, top 75 all-time player, Anthony Davis. And I've been trying to figure out why. Um, I've been watching a lot of the games, and I, I don't know what it is. It, it doesn't help that he keeps getting hurt. That that definitely <laughs> never helps any situation. But he hasn't been bad. Um, I know, obviously, you're in L.A., the spotlight's on you. There's over-analysts. There's people, writers, podcasters, all that things. Again, he hasn't been bad. He's been good. He just hasn't been great. And then Russ, I mean, it's it's gone about as well as I would have thought it would go, where it's like this is an aging player. Um, his skill set like relies heavily on athleticism. Uh, he requires a lot of spacing. The Lakers don't have a ton of that. And the season has not gone well. Russ is about an average player on offense, below average on defense, and he's the fourth highest paid player in the league. And that's not a great recipe for value. So we think about the LeBron Heat team where they had Bosch, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron, and they were all playing at a really high level. And you could still, I mean, they were a great team. They went to the finals all four years, won two of those. Um, they were great. They were a great team, but you could see that they did have flaws in their roster because it was so hard to fill out those other spots. And we're going to look at the Lakers roster this year, and uh, you see those those similar problems where they don't have anyone that is a two-way player on the roster except Anthony Davis and LeBron. And I'm going to define that by being uh, a player that is above average on offense and defense. So we have our LeBron impact metric, and that is uh, you can break that down to offensive and defensive LeBron. So the Lakers have a few guys that are good on offense. They have Malik Monk and they have Carmelo Anthony. They are some of the worst defenders in the league. And then you have the vice versa of that. So the opposite, you have Stanley Johnson, you have THT, you have Austin Reeves, who have been pretty solid defensively, but they are some of the worst players on offense in the league this year. So you're trying to piece together lineups where you can squeeze out the value and you have the steadying force of LeBron. Uh, AD has missed so much time, and that's 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 been a big problem. And then you have Russ, who just really hasn't hasn't been that engine that you were hoping for, especially in the regular season. And it's like, okay, so Malik Monk has been probably the best of all of these uh, of these guys they brought in. He's been a good player on offense, shoots the ball well, can get to the basket, can pass a little bit. And then Carmelo Anthony, you know, we know who he is. He's an older player. He's in his late 30s. He shot the ball really well, 
But, you know, Melo's never been known for his defense, and that's definitely been highlighted this year. Uh, but you knew that going in. And then the opposite, they signed Stanley Johnson part-time through the year. He is a really versatile player. He can switch a lot. He is a wing that can guard bigs uh, well. He's extremely physical, super strong, doesn't give up a lot of ground, where it's like, you know, that that type of, of player is really good for roster flexibility. But that's that's his strength. He He brings that lineup flexibility where you can play him at multiple positions, but he doesn't really do anything else. A non-factor on offense, really. Uh, THT, he's a young player. I think he's entering year three. They were really hoping for him to jump this year into being a a stronger role player, and it, it just hasn't happened. He missed some time with an injury at the beginning of the year, and uh, he just has not played well on offense. And it's it's just tough because you're relying on a 21-year-old player here. Stanley Johnson's young. You signed him off the street partway through the season. We're going to talk about Austin Reeves next, who is an undrafted rookie who, you know, hasn't been too bad, has been a solid defender, but again, is a non-factor on offense. So, you know, you go down these lists, I'm talking about an undrafted rookie on a team that was hoping to win a title this year. And like, he is one of the main storylines this year. That's not a good sign. And it's just so hard to build a roster when you have no money to spend on your bench. So you can get these guys that can do one thing. Like you can get Carmel; he can shoot the three. We we know that. Um, you can get, you know, like a Stanley Johnson, who is just sort of like a like a Swiss Army knife on defense. He can guard multiple positions, but on teams where the big three are not playing at an exceptionally high level consistently, like you start to see these players' flaws. Like you can see a team like. The Bucks, they add P.J. Tucker at the end of the year, where P.J. Tucker can only play defense. He is pretty limited offensively. But when you put him on a high-level team, they're like, hey, you know, we can afford to have one guy on the court just be able to do one thing. And you do that thing, and that's it. You don't ever go outside that box, and you do the thing you excel at. And that works for good teams. But Russ has been bad. AD has missed a lot of time. And LeBron can only play one position. <laughs> He's only one person. That's that's really LeBron's biggest flaw throughout his career is that there's only one LeBron. Uh, and you start to see where it's like, okay, there's lineups that are running out there where it's like Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson, THT, Austin Reeves, and LeBron. And it's like, a lot of those people don't know who four of those players are. And that's definitely going to be a problem. So uh, it's just hard when you go all in because you get stuck. Like the Lakers don't really have any draft picks to move for the most part. They are over the salary cap with three players, their big three, let alone uh, everyone else on the roster. So making a trade then becomes really difficult because in the NBA, you have to have the money match. So you'd either have to trade one of those three players and you're not going to trade LeBron and you don't want to trade Anthony Davis and nobody wants Russell Westbrook. So the only options are after that is your only tradable piece is THT making $9 million. Uh, He's young, but he struggled mightily this year. So his stock is not high. So teams aren't really looking for that. And uh, you have Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played at all this year, doesn't look to play this year. He was making $4 million a year on a mid-level exception. And then everyone else is literally a vet minimum making, you know, $2 to $3 million a year. So all of a sudden making a trade is really difficult because if there's any notable player you want, like they almost traded for Buddy Heald in the offseason, he's making $22 million a year where it's like, okay, well, 
I can't trade Russell Westbrook for that because his contract is way too big and the other team wouldn't want to take on that money. And then I can't get put enough players together to get him where it's like, okay, THT with 9 million. And then you throw in, I don't know, DeAndre Jordan at 2 million and you can't get up to that 22 million and uh, you can't package picks to make it more enticing. And all of a sudden you're just stuck because once you've pushed all of your chips all in to the center of the table, like there are no chip that is that is inherently what going all in means. When you go all in and it doesn't work, you're just stuck. And that's what's happened with the Lakers this year. And it's uh it's a bummer. It's unfortunate for especially a guy like LeBron, where like he's counting the sand going down the hourglass, knowing there's only so many games left of him being a high-level player. And, you know, it leaves the Lakers in in a bad position because next year it's the same problem where you're paying AD, LeBron, and Russ. Basically, everyone comes off the books except THT. And I don't know how you're going to entice players to come there because it didn't work this year. That's not great. And then you're going to have to reload the roster full of vet Ming guys. And it's not even like, you know, with other team situations, it's like, hey, you can take this bad contract and we'll give you a first round pick or something along those lines. But with Russ, he's literally the fourth highest paid player in the league where it's like, that's so much money to take on where you would need to package quite a few picks to try to unload that to entice another team to get that. But they don't have the picks. So it's like, I, I don't know what you do if you're the Lakers because this year it did not work. Um, the bottom of the roster was was flimsy and uh, it, it it collapsed. Honestly, uh, they the, the role players have not played very well and the stars have not played very well. Russ has just been a huge disappointment. And you can talk about fit, like it, it, it wasn't a very good idea at the time, but they made the trade, so it happened. So then you got to fill out the roster around it. And uh, the Lakers didn't do a great job. And now you're stuck all in. And the problem is you're all in next year too. And, oh, man. I mean, it, it got to the point where it was kind of fun to watch, like, Lakerland be on fire. And then it got kind of sad where it was like, oh, this is – there's a lot of people here that are like, are like taking this in very extreme ways, especially on Twitter. And it's like, and I don't know if they know, but this is all going to happen next year too. <laughs> so like you got to pace yourself on the outrage because you got to be outraged all the rest of the season and all of next season. Uh, but yeah, that's the, the, the Lakers kind of wanted to talk about what happens when you leave yourself without a back door where you push everything into the middle and you say, this is what we're going for. I don't know why you'd ever do that with Russell Westbrook, but they decided to I actually saw a funny tweet. It was like uh, the Lakers went from two years ago, not guarding Russ in the playoffs to trading for him, which I sometimes it takes somebody else to, to make you see it so clear. But man, that tweet, it was like, I, I don't. I, I don't know sometimes. Sometimes you watch the NBA and you're like, I, I don't know why people making the decisions are making the decisions they're making. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the B-Ball Index podcast. And we'll see you next week.